Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. I just want to focus on on Isaiah 54, verse 2 and verse 3 this morning. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Like I said last week, the context when Isaiah wrote this He was preparing the people for what God was up to. What happened is that the people were captive, captive in Babylon for seven years. And it was a hard time. This this is where they did not sing in Babylon. They were mourning in Babylon. And the discouragement settled in. And they kind of lost hope, and Isaiah is there, and he says, not, he's not there in, 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 the, in Babylon, but he's prophesying the return of the exile to the promised land. And, and, and he's saying, guys, don't give up, I have a plan. Have, have you ever been in a situation where it seems like it's impossible to fix? Have you ever been at a crossroad where you say, I don't know what to do, Right? If you're a little younger, maybe not, but for those that have no hair or gray hair or have uh, lost against, the for, against gravity when all the weight pulls you down, pulls it down, um, you have to say that, yeah, it's, it, it's, I've been in that place where I, I, I feel that there's no way, there's no hope. And so God was aware of where the people were at and he saw the desperation and he saw the need for them to be encouraged. And, and I believe one of the, um, the greatest strength of the church is hope. We have hope in our Lord Jesus. We have hope at one day, in one day that he's going to come back. We, we know the end of the book. So we are a people of hope. And it's very important for us as we journey through this life. It's to feed the hope and not come to a point or a place where we're discouraged or we think it's the end. And I think when we live this way, this is where we can miss out on what God has in store. And so you, you find Isaiah 54 as giving hope to the Israelites. And, and, he, and what he says to the people, he says, prepare yourself for what God is about to do. Can you say that to your neighbor? Prepare yourself for what God wants to do. In Isaiah 54, verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent's curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So what, what God is saying to the people is, I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to work with you. But you have to be a people that expect and is waiting for me to move. Enlarge a place of, of your tent means to make room. It, making room, it's a response that we have. Like God wants to move and he wants to come into our lives. So we're making room for him. It's like you have some visitors knocking to your door that you were not expecting and they come and knock or they ding-dong your door. And then you panic. You look at your wife, at your husband. You say, oh, no. They're, we were not expecting company. And then they come in. And then you look at your house. Oh, no. What are we going to do, right? So you, uh, you wait, wait for them to, to ding-dong a second time. And you just run in the house. And you try to pick up your things. And they arrive in the living room. And there's stuff 
on the sofa. And then what you do is you say, ah, you take a moment, you remove the books or all the dirty clothes or hopefully the clean clothes that it's all stacked there. And, and you remove it and you say, ah, ah, sit down. You, and what you do at that point is that you're making room for someone, right? So, so what we want to do in this new year is we want to make room for God. And, 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 and it's my responsibility to make room. And it's my response to God to make room because God wants to come. God wants to lead. God wants to restore. It's my call and my responsibility to make room. It's the same thing. Whatever I make room will come in. If I make room um, for my marriage, there's going to be fruits of it. If I make room um, when it comes to investing in my calling or when it comes to what I'm called to do, well, there's going to be fruits of it. It's the same thing. When you make room, you're setting up a place for something to happen in our condition when it comes to believers. What we want is we want to see God come in. And so that's why we need to make room. And that's what he's saying to the people. Guys, don't get discouraged. Make room for me because I want to speak to you. I want to make a way in your life. And that's what we're called to do. It's, it's, to, it's, to, it's to make room. And, and, and the question I have to ask you and I ask, I ask myself, am I making room for God? I believe it's a sobering question. Right? Am I making room? Am I this busy body running here, running there, and taking care of my business and not making room for what he wants to do, what he wants to say, what's he, what he wants to fulfill in my life and through my life, in my relationships or in my calling, in my personal life? So how do you see this happen in your life? How, how do you make room? Well, one of the first ways is to live with expectation. You gotta live with expectation. I just talked about that. The need for us to have hope. I like what it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, a verse that is very familiar. And we see here God speaking to the people in one of the hardest times of the history of Israel when the walls were down, when Babylon was coming in and the temple was destroyed. And it says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plan to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you a hope in the future. You see, God wanted them to expect. God wanted them to walk ahead anticipating the work of God. And this is so important for us because I don't think we do that well in the West. We're very rational, we do our own things, and, and we come to conclusions that are only based on what we can do. And here you see God saying to his people, I have a future for you, I have plans for you. That will influence how you live your life. If you live with anticipation, if you live with expectation of God showing up and able to lead and able to do the impossible, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way you do your life versus someone that has no hope or someone that has no trust, right? And so what we find in Jeremiah 29, God is saying to the people, fix my eyes on, uh, fix, fix your eyes on me because I will work, I will do it. And the challenge that we have is that I can miss out on what God has in store based on my disobedience, based on my lack of trust, based on the, the, the lack of listening and taking the time to give him room. And so when I look at one of the ingredients, listen, this is huge, one of, one of the ingredients that we need as a believer and as a church, it's to walk in faith. It says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God without faith. 
And so what does that mean? I cannot fulfill my calling if there's not the foundation of trust and relying on him. It has to be more than me. And so when you look at Jeremiah 29, we have this encouragement to say, hey, truly God, yeah, you have plans. You have things in store. It might not be like what I plan in my head, but it's going to be good. One of the things that I've learned in this journey as a pastor for so many years is God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Like when, when, it seems, when it seems to be no way out, he always has a plan. Can you, can you say that to your, to your neighbor? God always has a plan. He always has a plan. He always has a way out. He knows what he's, what's happening. He's aware of it. So I, I need to know that. I need to let that sink in my heart that God always has a plan. Before I panic, before I run to the right and to the left, I need to remember that God has a plan. And that's what he's saying to his people, even though they were in a mess, even though it seems like it, there was no turnaround, I've got this. God is saying, I've got this, people. Trust in me and rely on me. And it's not easy to do. But when you do this, you see God intervene. I gave you this quote last week of William Carey where he said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. I got to expect great things from God. Would you agree? I've got to look at this new year and expect great things from God because we serve a great God and a big God, and a God that is able to do the impossible, a God that opened the Red Sea, a God that walked on water, that fed the 5,000, that rose from the dead, that made this world. I've got to see that. I can't just be caught up with the events around me and not focus on who he is and what he's able to do. I'm called to trust in him. Even if his ways are higher than my ways, I don't always understand. I need to walk in faith and expect God to do the impossible because that's what he does. Amen? We want to see that in our lives. So, so when I look at the quote of William Carey, I say, yes, Lord, I want to live with this life. Expect great things from God and attempt great things from God. Because you expect great things for God, then you can attempt great things from God, right? But if you don't expect great things for God, from God, why would you attempt great things for God? You wouldn't. Would you agree? Otherwise, you would say, I can do it on my own. No. The reason why you can do it is because you expect God to move. And I need to see that grow in my, in my heart in this new year, where I expect God to move. That when people are saying this and that, in the back of your mind, you say, well, God, you didn't give your last word on this. You, hey, you, you're bigger than this, right? And for sure, I need to, to talk about discernment. It's not doing our own ways and, and, and try to make things happen. We can't make anything happen. But what we can do, though, is to be a people of hope and to be a husband of hope and a father of hope and a pastor of hope for me and a citizen of hope where we turn to God and we expect from God instead of looking to the right, to the left. Amen? I think it's, that's how we're called to live. I'd like to read Isaiah 54, verse 2 from the message version. I thought it had a good spin. It says, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. I like this. Think big. 
Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going, to, you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over the nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. And he says in verse 4, I think it's so cool, don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. You'll forget all about the humiliation of your youth and the indignities of being a widow will fade from your memory. So he's saying here, expect from God. Trust that God will do something greater. Like you, you got two guys that goes into a field. One sees nothing and the other sees potential. One goes in the field, what's weeds. And the other sees potential. That's a quote from Walt Disney. He gives that example. Like there's a guy that sees nothing and the, there's a guy that sees a dream. And I believe, for believer, we should be a people that dreams and that expects God. For sure, I'm not saying that we build our own dreams and God fulfills what we want. We come under God, we receive God's dreams. But it's important for us to live with expectation. If there's a people on earth that should be the most joyful people on the planet is us. You know why? Because we're a people of hope. Even though the world is going left and right, we are anchored because we have hope. Because our eyes are on, the, are, are on the altar and the finisher of our faith. And we expect God to move. We see evil arise. We expect God to move, right? We see things happen. Oh, we say, but God, you're not done. That's the attitude of the believer, right? So we should have a victorious approach to life. If we are feeding negativity and pessimism, you know, we're just digging ourselves a hole and we're not focusing on the right thing. And it's important for us as we move forward as a church or as you move forward as, as, a, as a family, it's to embrace hope, right? It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, Formers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. If he watches every cloud, he'll never harvest. There's always something going wrong. There's always challenges, Right? The moment you step forward, there's a challenge. Would you agree? In your business, in your own life, you want to see change, ah, there's a cost. But the thing is, when you do it, when you step out, this is where you see God intervene. We serve a big God, right? We serve a big God. So what we're called to do is we're called to make room. Called to make room for him. It's really a mindset, right? It's a mindset. And that's what he was telling the people. You got to change your mindset. Secondly, secondly, he says to the people, stretch your tent curtains wide. It's getting past our current limitations. God is bigger than me. Can you say that to your neighbor? God is bigger than me. I like the example of Moses. Well, Moses, you know the story. He left Egypt, was taking a sheep for 40 years. And then... At one moment, there's a burning bush. And there's fire that is burning on the the tree. It's not burning down, but it's burning. And then God speaks to him. That's pretty amazing, wouldn't you say? Right? And this is holy ground. So he removes his sandals and he he kneels or he stands before God. and, And he's in awe of God that is there. He knew about God, but not to that personal level. And now God is addressing 
to him that he wants to save Israel, that Israel's uh, prayers were heard by God, and that he will make a difference, and his plan is to bring redemption to Israel. And then he says to Moses, I want to send you. And then you see Moses give a ton of excuses of why he doesn't want to do it. And he starts to say, well, you know, if I go, who will I say sent me? And God gives his name. I am the I am. I will be there. And then he starts, he starts to say, God, what, what are you going to do? What's going to happen? And God says, I will bring the plagues of Egypt. You'll see if they don't repent, they don't leave you go after the first one, the second one, the third one. You'll see that they will let you go at one point. And then Moses says, oh, man, I don't know. And then God says to Moses, take, take your staff throw it on the ground, throws it on the ground, it becomes a snake. That would be pretty impressive, right? And then you pick it up, and he says, well, you know, I don't know if I really can do this. And then God says, put your hand in your coat, in your, in your coat, and, and he removes it, and there's leprosy, put it back, and then it became clean. And again, he's not, so he says he, he can't do it. And then later on, if you, if you look at verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send me, send someone else. And then God got mad. He was saying, and because Moses was saying, you know, I, 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 I stutter. I, I, I can't talk. And God says, oh, oh, surprise. I didn't know that. Right? Wow, really? Wow. So he says, okay, get Aaron to come along and he will be your translator. And the problem is Moses was looking at himself not looking to God. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we, that we face, or I'll rephrase this, one of the biggest way we respond to God's call, we look at ourselves. Well, well I stutter, uh, I don't have this, I don't have that, I can't do this, I can't do that. And we miss out on God's calling. So God has placed a call upon your life. And as you make room for him, he's going to intervene and make an amazing work into your life. But you have to see yourself the, the way God sees you, and to realize that it's not about you. Moses, yes, did he stutter? Probably. Was he a little f fearful? Yes, he was. But God was in his life. So the answer for me to move forward and to have success in my marriage and, and, and in my workplace and to see the church progress, it's to realize that only God can do it. But I need to see myself like how God sees me. Like Gary Hayes that came to speak here, we're texting, texting once in a while, and every time he sends me a text, he says, a mighty, mighty, mighty man of God. Well, when he sends me the text, and he texts me, mighty man of God, my first thought is, I'm not mighty man of God. No, I, I look at how a mighty man should be like, but that's not me. Then I look about the angel of the Lord that approaches Gideon and says, you mighty warrior, how is God looking at us? That's a very good question, right? Is God seeing me as a mighty warrior? Is God seeing you as a mighty warrior? Is God seeing the potential in you? Absolutely, he does. And one of the things that we're extremely good at is to disqualify ourselves based on how we see ourselves and we think we're not good enough for God. And so we are, we're holding back what we have for God to use. Do you have a staff in your hand? Throw it to the ground. Give it to God. And I think when it comes to making room, this is a big deal. 
When it comes to um, stretching your curtains wide, it's to multiply what you already have. And so we need to see that. I, I need to see God beyond my provision, that it doesn't fall on me. God is not expecting things to change by myself, but I'll give you the principle. We are a church of God's presence. And the reason why we're seeing growth in our church is because we focus on God and we want him in our lives. The simple message of experiencing God or being visited by God or or to see God move in our midst is the heart of the Christian life. If God is not, if we don't give room to God, whatever we do, it's just traditions like we're going to sing at the end of the service. The key thing in our life is to give, give room to God. And sometimes giving room to God causes you to open your life up to what he wants to do, right? And so it's beyond my provision. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul says, you know, God is Jehovah Jireh, the one that will meet my needs. He met my needs, he will meet your needs. So when you're responding to God's call, and you do what you're called to do, God's going to honor you. He will. I'll be speaking later on this, in this winter, this winter on, on honor, how we're called to live a life of honor. But I, I really believe that God honors us when we, uh, when we launch out and we respond to God's call. He gives our provision, and then we look back and we say, God, how did this, how, how, how did this all happen? It's because of his provision. The third thing that we find in the text, it says, do not hold back. Don't be overcome by fear. Don't be overcome by fear. And sometimes people confuse fear with wisdom, and meaning that, Not to be overcome by fear, it's to do whatever you want and you shouldn't be afraid. No. Fear is not parallel to to wisdom. Sometimes we got to take a step back. Sometimes we got to pray because this is what God calls us to do. We got to wait a little longer, and that's called wisdom. But I'm going to say this though how do you define fear in your life? When fear prevents you of obeying and doing what you're called to do. When you know that you're called to do something and you don't do it, because of what people will say, and because you're afraid of failure, then you're walking in disobedience. You see, fear is part, is an obstacle that we face, and it will always be there, but you don't want it to control you and prevent you of obeying. Would you agree? Look at your own life. Look at the times that you had a nudge of God or God has called you to do something, but you have a lot of buts after. Well, but if, 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 what? And you miss out on what God's. I'm looking at my journey and I'm looking at how many times I was afraid to move forward. I was because uh, of fear of man and, and, and fear of, of failure and, and, and it caused me to disobey. So, so what God is saying to the people, he says, don't be afraid. Move forward. Don't hold back. Can you say that to your neighbor? Don't hold back. You know? Don't hold back. In the message version that I read, it says, don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to to come up short. 
I like this, right? One of the greatest examples I find when it comes to that is the story. I don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but that would be a message on its own. It's Caleb and Joshua when they, when they were spies and sent into the promised land, right? They go into the promised land, and they see giants in the land. And ten others, they only saw giant. And, and, and the ten others never saw the promise of God. Like they never saw, they never saw the journey of leaving Egypt, Egypt for the promised land. When they arrived at the promised land, the only thing they saw was giants. But there was honey flowing, and there was like grapes like galore. And, and so they were focusing on the negative. They were looking at, at themselves instead of looking at what God could do and what God wanted to do. And so I, I, I like these, I, I like Caleb and Joshua when it comes to that. They did not let fear paralyze them of obeying. And you have to, if I just take this little parenthesis, I think it's worth mentioning it. Look at your life. Look at this week. When God is prompting you, when God is speaking to you, don't let fear box up what God wants to do. Take a step. Respond. Trust, and you'll see God's provision. You will see God at move. It doesn't mean that you're going to do the first step. Everything will be peachy. There's this word in the Bible that's called perseverance, that you just continue to go forward. And, and as you go forward, you will see God's intervention if you, you don't quit, right? So it's important for us to not be, co- not be caught by fear. My last one is lengthen your cords. It means to lengthen your reach. Zacharias chapter 4 verse 10 gives us this example. The story goes, in the same context of Isaiah, the, uh, the, the temple is a ruin, the walls are down, and now they're back into the promised land, and, the, uh, and they're ta- they're, they're, at that point, they were working on the temple, and, and a- after that, they were going to work on the walls of, uh, of Jer- uh, Jerusalem. And then God speaks to Zerubbabel, to the prophet Zechariah. It says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. So, so what we find in this text is that there's a huge challenge before Israel. They don't know how they're going to rebuild the temple. God says, I want you to rebuild the temple, but ah, we don't know what to do. And, and what it says here is that God took pleasure in the small beginnings, meaning that he took a step. The need to take a step. And, and the Lord rejoices to see the work begun. Begin. But one of the things that I really love here that I feel very challenging is, is the story of Zerubbabel. And the Lord took pleasure to see Zerubbabel with a plumb line in his hand. I like that picture. And I forgot my plumb line this morning. Plumb line is a string with a weight, very simple tool. And, and God took pleasure, listen to, Zerubbabel with a plumb line. What does that mean is that even though there was a rubble, mountain of rubbles. Even though it seems to be unfixable, you got this guy as a rubble that shows up with a plumb line. Okay, God, what do you want to do? Is that amazing? I don't know. It rocks me when I look at the challenges I face in my relationships and as we go forward as a church. I've got to show up with a plumb line. That's what God is asking. God is asking me to face whatever I face, not with discouragement, not with the violin, poor me, poor me, poor little me. Not with, ah, oh, there's no hope, ah, oh, darn. No, he wants me to approach life. Listen, 
He wants you to approach life with a plumb line because God is up to something. And God will do the impossible because it's not us. And you find it. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, And he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, by my wind, by the ruah of God. What are you, O mighty mountains? Mountain, before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Who does that? Was it Zerubbabel? No, it was God. But Zerubbabel showed up with a plumb line. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. But Zerubbabel showed up with a plumb line. Nothing that God could do, nothing that man could do to plane the field, but Zerubbabel showed up with a plumb line. Question I have for you, do you have a plumb line in your hand when it comes to your life and, and what's around you? Do you go in faith and you expect God to move? We should. We should anticipate God's help. We should, you know? We don't want to, to miss on what God has in store. And my last point here, it's strengthen your stake. What he's saying to Israel, don't compromise your ways. Don't do like the world. Don't copy the world. Get your stakes deeper. Focus on his word. Focus on the calling. And for us, it's focus on being led by the spirit. It's to be found in him and to, and to be found in his spirit. So strengthen your stake. Don't compromise. When you face issues, don't compromise. Do it God's ways. Do it according to his direction. And you'll see him work. You'll see him intervene. Like, you know, it's so easy to turn to the ways of the world. You know why? Because it focuses all on me. My rights. I deserve this. That's the ways of the world. They don't go too far. They don't work very well. So we want to do things God's ways. That's how we strengthen our stake. Maybe you're here this morning and your life is cluttered. Maybe it's like the couch. You got full of stuff on your couch. And you got to get you got to make room for God and for his ways. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like Moses. All kind of excuses not to respond to God's call and you're focusing on yourself and and you're afraid to obey. Maybe you've put your plumb line aside. You gave up. Maybe you stopped trusting in God's provision and you're living on your own and you're, you're, functioning, you're functioning by your own fuel. But I just pray this morning that you would say, God, such a time as this, I commit myself to you. I give you my life. I'm getting out the plumb line. I'm going to work on my marriage. I'm going to work on what's before me, what you've called me to do. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to step in my calling, whatever it might be. That's my prayer that you would respond to God and let God lead you. And as you give room for him, let him speak to you. Go back to his word and build a relationship with him. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.